0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am bringing you this week's episode of the Weekend Warm-Up. And I am here and happy to be talking about what the hot topics are surrounding Bayern Munich and Germany this week. And we'll get started right away just talking a little bit about Germany and the week that they've had, what's gone down, and where how they look heading into the Euros. Obviously, this was a big, big week for Germany. Uh, They were coming off the 1-1 draw with Denmark where they did not look good. Uh, But luckily for the Germans, they played Latvia, were able to get some things right, and just put an absolute beatdown on the Latvians. And I think we learned a little bit about how this team is going to look in the Euros based on what we saw at Latvia. And obviously the biggest thing that went down in that game was that Yogi Love made the decision to move Joshua Kimmich to right back slash right wing back, however you want to describe it in this formation. Uh, Kimmich will be working up and down the right flank offensively and defensively. Obviously, there are a lot of people, uh, especially ones in the BFW community, who think Kimmich is the best six in the world. And it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to move what would be the best player at his position in the world to another one. But in this case, we will give yogi love some credit because this is a move that makes the team better the deepest best part of uh, i'm sorry of germany's roster is the central midfield and within that central midfield aside of kimmick you had leon Goretzka, who was battling an injury tony Cruz, ilkay gondwan and florian neuhaus as the primary options there and honestly that that's a pretty formidable and stacked lineup for midfield so with germany struggling a bit and not having a natural right back to use uh you know they've used lucas klosterman there and klosterman is a player who i like a lot i think he's got a lot of potential and i think he could actually be an elite level center back if he could ever stay healthy enough to really perfect the finer points of his game uh to play that position but he is I don't want to say he's an ill-fitted right back because I don't think he's bad, but he's not as dynamic as Kimmich moving forward. Doesn't have quite the offensive eye as Kimmich and, and really can't generate enough offense from that position uh, as compared to a player like Kimmich. So moving Kimmich there obviously creates a an opening in the midfield, and that is where I think we're going to see Tony Kroos and Ilkay Gundogan man the middle against France when Germany opens up. And this should make... Uh, Germany starting 11, maybe not quite as good as France, but they should be able to compete at least. And part of the reason they'll be able to do that is because they're going to go out. And assuming Yogi Love does not go off the rails at any point between now and the France game, uh, it seems like he's going to put his best 11 out there. Now, one of those players in the central midfield who we just referenced in Goretzka is probably not going to be eligible for that France game. Uh, in fact, today, uh, we are taping this on a Thursday. Goretzka had returned to team training for the first time with Germany, which is a great, great sign. Uh, obviously, he has been battling this, this torn muscle for quite a while, going back to uh, his time with Bayern Munich before the season ended. Uh, and it looks like, as of right now, that Germany is targeting uh, Goretzka to come back against Portugal. Now, I wouldn't even expect him to start that game I would expect him to be used off the bench and make an appearance, but that is a great sign nonetheless. If Germany can somehow sneak out of France with a win or a draw, uh, they might be able to lean on Goretzka to help guide them through uh, the Portugal game, which would be a big thing. But back to that 11, uh, aside of the midfield and uh, moving Joshua Kimmich out to right back, I think we really have to look at the forward group, and obviously against Denmark, it was it was not great. Uh, there were a lot of things you could really pick apart in that game. In particular, uh, the level of effort and creativity that the forwards displayed in that game. I thought Thomas Muller was by far the best of that forward group, and we'll call them forwards in this 3-4-3 formation. Uh, I was not impressed by Serge Gnabry or Leon Goretzka. I mean, I'm sorry, Leroy Sané. <laughs> Uh, too much Goretzka on my mind there. Um, <clears throat> and I thought that, uh, you know, in the first match against Denmark, Canabri and Sané just, they did not work well together. They, they weren't creative. They weren't very fluid. They were moving around, but there was not a lot of purpose to their movements. And just they just did not sync up very well. Uh, so in the second match there against Latvia, Yogi Love switched things up a bit started Kai Havertz, and Havertz was an absolute beast against Latvia. I thought he was just a a handful for the Latvians to handle, and I think he did a really good job in stating his case as to why he should be part of the starting 11. Now, we are going to see uh, Yogi Love have an interesting choice here based on the way Havertz performed, and in fact, you could go a little bit down the depth chart with the forwards, and you could say Timo Werner, once he came on in the second half against Latvia, also did very well. And Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry in that game also asserted themselves really, really well. They were uh, much better in that game. It's almost as if they played better not working in the initial lineup that uh, Yogi Love sent out. The first game against Denmark almost looked like a a 3-4-1-2 with Thomas Muller dropping back a little deeper and Gnabry and Sané playing up a little higher. It, It didn't really look that way against Latvia maybe the players just handled it differently maybe it was a strategic change from Yogi Love but whatever the case inserting Havertz for Sané really created disruption and I thought that the three players up front to start the game really played well together so we'll see how Yogi Love decides to go there I think defensively we know where he's leaning I think that back three uh you know, Matt Hummels is obviously going to be one of those players. It, it appears right now that Antonio Rudiger is go, also going to be uh, one of those starters. And that third spot in that back line will come down between Matthias Ginter and Nicholas Sula. Uh, as of right now, I like both players. I think Ginter is playing really well. Sula I'm a big fan of. I think he's just, I think he's a tremendous player and he's gotten a bit of a bad rap this year. He's, you know, coming back in his first year off of an ACL injury. Uh, I think he's really started to round back into form. And I know there's a lot of criticism about his game and his fitness and all of that. But in the end, this guy's a talent, and I think he makes Germany better. I would probably lean toward using Sula uh, and bringing Ginter off the bench. And I I wouldn't be opposed to having a bit of a rotation there. I think the only one that really deserves to be out every game is probably Hummels. But I think Yogi Love really favors Rudiger as well. So it's probably a situation where two of the three center backs in every game will be Hummels and Rudiger. And that third spot will probably depend on who's looked better in practice. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think I feel a little more optimistic about Germany now. And it's not necessarily because they went out and beat an inferior Latvia team. It's because it seems like for the first time in a long time, Yogi Love is committed to getting his best 11 players on the field without really factoring in whose feelings are going to get hurt. Now, Florian Neuhaus could not have done any more to put himself in that mix for the eleven than he did against Denmark. But when it comes down to it, he's not going to jump over the likes of Tony Kroos or Ilkay Gundogan or even Leon Goretzka when he's healthy. So for as good as Neuhaus was against Denmark, uh, I don't think we'll be seeing any or much of him in the starting eleven. During the Euros, unless things really go wrong and Germany suffers some injuries, uh, I think he'll purely be a substitute. And I don't know you know, if that's necessarily the best role for a player like him. But uh, I would like to see him get on the field at some point. It's just going to be very, very tough uh, with the depth in that midfield. So uh, that's where Germany is uh, heading into the Euros. And I know that we've, we've really started to do a, uh, a lot of coverage on the site where we are doing podcasts. Jake and Tom are previewing each group and we're going to be doing some extensive coverage, not just on the blog, but on the podcast of the Euro. So I think uh, we've got some really good stuff lined up for you guys. Uh, so hang with us and stay with it. Uh, check those podcasts out. They are available now. And always, as always, check out our blog because we are keeping up with the changes day to day that are going on. From the Germany camp, which will bring us to a nice way to end that segment and move over to Bayern Munich, where we are going to take a quick look at some of the news that has uh, really broke over the past week or so. And we're going to start by attacking the goalkeeper situations. We've seen a lot break, uh, particularly in the last week, uh, surrounding what the future holds and what the goalkeeping depth chart might look like on Sabiner Strasse next season. Uh, Obviously, Manuel Neuer is back and he's leading the pack there. He will be the unquestioned starter who plays 99% of the time. Don't anticipate, no matter who the backup is, that they will get much of any time. Neuer has proven he is still the world's best goalkeeper and he is going to probably continue to show that for at least another two to three years, given his current form. It does not look like he is uh, dropping off and knock on wood he has stayed healthy and avoided what looked like an injury plagued career was heading his way just a couple of seasons back when it just seemed like it was injury after injury for him so with Neuer in tow he will be the unquestioned starter but this is where it really gets interesting because when you look at the depth chart right now you see Alexander Neubel and then you look at the campus goalkeepers uh in Christian Fruchtel and Ron Torben Hoffman uh and right now, as for Nuble, he is looking to get out of dodge. He wants to be in a place where he can play a little more, and rightfully so. He is a good goalkeeper in his own right. He is also a player who needs to be on the pitch for as good of an environment as Bayern Munich provides for its players on a day-to-day basis. You need that game action, and right now Nuble is not going to get it. I've really questioned why he made the initial move from Schalke to Bayern, just because I thought there was no way he was going to get anywhere near enough playing time to keep him happy. And and after one year, that's exactly what happened. So after a lot of discussion and after a lot of internal debate, I'm sure, on Sabiner Strassa, it appears, based on reports this week, that Neubel is going to get his wish and he is going to be eligible to go out on a loan assignment. As of right now, the two biggest names that we've heard that seem like the most likely destinations are Nico Kovacs' squad, AS Monaco, and Lille, both in France. Both would be good options for nuble And if there's any one thing that could come out of this, I'm really hoping that nuble goes to Monaco and I'm hoping he retrieves the lost 99 Luff Balloons uh, karaoke footage that was missing from Bayern Munich's preseason party during Kovac's last season. If, if Nuble can go and procure that, then this loan is already worthwhile. That is for my first and foremost goal for his loan. I don't care if he even plays at Monaco. As long as he comes back with that video footage, I will die a happy man. But seriously, it would be great for Nuble. It would be great for the club because I think that, I think that Bayern has done the right job. If they've... If they were looking for a next-generation Manuel Neuer, I think Nuble fits the bill just from a size and skill perspective. He is about as close to a Nuble clone uh, as you will get. Uh, he not only has the physical stature, but it seems like he's got the instincts, a- and maybe not at the level that Neuer is. I mean, obviously, Neuer, Neuer might be the GOAT, but Nuble is uh, what looks to be one of the next-best-generation goalkeepers coming out of Germany, so... Uh, while Byron got it right, the timing of the move just didn't work out. So getting him out on a loan will probably help things, will probably help Neuer feel better going out the door in a couple of years, and will probably help having Neubel get this experience so when he comes back to Byron, he is ready to take over. So what would Bayern do if Neubel went out on loan? So right away, you look at those two options on campus, Ron Torbenhoffman and Christian Frochtel. Well, those two guys have had a bit of a week themselves. Ron Torbenhoffman, as has been rumored, is looking to get out of Bayern Munich as soon as possible as well because, again, he is an extremely talented goalkeeper, has a pretty high ceiling as well, maybe not, definitely not as high as Newell, but he is a player who I think a lot of clubs could use and probably could develop into a decent starting goalkeeper in the Bundesliga, and I think that's his goal, he wants to be in a spot where there is a pathway for him to eventually at least try to compete to be a starter. Sitting behind Neuer and potentially Nuble, that is not going to happen anytime soon for a good young goalkeeper like Hoffman. So I would anticipate that despite the fact uh Bayern recently triggered an extension in his uh an extension option in his contract, I would expect Hoffman to be gone. Let's be clear about this. The only reason Bayern did that is so that they could sell him and not and, and basically to pre- prevent themselves from losing him for free. So uh, if, if Ron Hoffman does not move on, I'll be completely shocked. And for me, I got to see Hoffman play when Bayern played Juventus in Philadelphia, and I was really impressed by a young kid back then. So I think he's progressed nicely from that point. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes, because I think just within a matter of weeks, he will leave Bayern Munich. As for Fructal, he <laughs> has had a bad week. Uh, based on the news reports that came out this week, Fructal was... Uh, injured in a mountain biking accident where he broke his collarbone, which will keep him out of action for eight to 10 weeks. Some would say he's been out of action for about a year now because when he went to, uh, obviously didn't play a lot uh, the season before, he had you know, he had done a nice spell with Bayern two and had picked up an injury toward the end of that season uh, before moving on to Nuremberg for his loan assignment where he did not play at all. So uh, when you factor in a full season of not playing the injury at the end of the 2019-2020 season, plus being injured for 8-10 to weeks now, this has not been a great stretch for Christian Frochdel. Again, another high-ceiling goalkeeping prospect who has not gotten a chance to play. Uh, So I don't know that anyone really knows or understands what he could be. We just know from his physical makeup and his performances so far for the three league side and Bayern Munich, along with his youth days, that uh, that Fructal looks like he has potential at some point. But again, you've heard and read these whispers that maybe Bayern is not as high on Frochtel as they once were, and now with this injury that's going to keep him out for upwards of two months it becomes very unlikely he's going to move on via a loan or transfer this summer. So we could see Fructel in the Regional Liga with Bayern Munich too. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they were relegated. So he may be back with them unless Bayern can find a willing loan or transfer partner. So again, we are left looking at who will be the backup. So initially we had heard Sven Ulrich was on Bayern's radar and this might happen. Sven Ulrich is currently a free agent and uh, it looked like la- toward the end of last week that things might escalate quickly and you might be able to see Ulrich actually be announced within weeks. Now it appears that Stefan Ortega is back on uh, Bayern's radar in a big way, the Armenia Bielefeld goalkeeper is rumored to have a 5 million dollar or 5 million euro transfer uh number on his back. And at 5 million that might be something palatable for Bayern Munich. So it will be very interesting to see who Bayern procures to be their backup next season. I think it's pretty safe to assume that Nuble's going to go away on a loan that Ron Torben Hoffman will be sold. That Fructal is not quite ready and will probably be rehabbing for quite a bit. So Byron is going to have to reach into its coffers and spend a bit of money to get a backup from Manuel Neuer. So that's where the goalkeeping situation is. And for the last segment uh, in this show, I wanted to do something that we used on the blog last week. and it was a buy or sell segment. And we used King Kingsley Coman As the subject of that, obviously this week we've heard all the news. Coman reportedly has exorbitant salary demands. uh, And because of how high they were and how far apart Bayern Munich and Coman's team have been in negotiations, they have actually been called off. So right now there are no discussions going on between Bayern Munich and Kingsley Coman's negotiating team, which is a shame because Bayern, as of right now, looks like they want to retain Kingsley Coman. They just don't want to pay him at the level of a Robert Lewandowski or even a Leroy Sané, which is a thorn in the side of Coman's camp because they can easily look at the performances this season and see that Coman was probably the better player, so why shouldn't he be paid just about as much as Leroy Sané? Uh, This is really, I think, one of those... uh, negotiations that's going to drag out coman's contract ends in 2023 so this is going to go on from my estimation for about another year Uh, we did see the recent news that byron has placed a nine figure price on coman's head knowing that no one is going to pay that even uh, the deep pocketed rumored uh, clubs that have been rumored to be interested in Coman, Chelsea and Manchester United, are probably not going to buck up that kind of loot for Coman. Uh, not just because it's it's insane to think anybody would pay that for him, but it's Coman also has a pretty lengthy injury history. He's also been fairly inconsistent over the course of his career. And it, even with those clubs having so much money, Uh, dropping nine figures on Coman is probably not good business. So I wouldn't anticipate that either will pull the trigger on getting a deal done with that kind of money at stake. And just for comparison's sake, uh, the latest reports from Christian Falk say that Manchester United just offered 70 million euros to Borussia Dortmund for Jadon Sancho. So uh, Sancho, in my estimation, is a better player than Coman. So if they are only starting negotiations at 70 for Sancho, I can't see any way that they're going to go up to 100 for Coman so when it comes to buy or sell what do you do with Coman well in my opinion I think right now you have to look at Coman and you probably have to sell and I don't think you're gonna get nine figures for him but I'm not sure he's committed to Bayern Munich for the long term it looks like he wants a deal and if Bayern Munich truly is dedicated to keeping their salary structure intact and not blowing it all up for one player, especially one like Kuman, Uh i don't think that they're going to do that so i think at this point you have to say Kuman is a sell and that might not happen until next summer but we could see a little bit of griping and a little bit of unhappiness from come and listen i'm a big fan of his game i think he's got great speed great skill he's very creative he's been inconsistent at times he's made some poor decisions in the past but that seemed to really improve over the last year and a half i think we've seen him grow as a player. And a lot of the indecisiveness that he showed on the field has kind of been cured. But at the same time, when Bayern Munich made that decision to sign Leroy Sané and pay him the big bucks, there was going to be some fallout. It's going to be very hard to keep three top-tier young wingers like Sané, Serge Gnabry, and Kingsley Coman all happy. So at some point, you're going to probably have to choose, especially when you throw in uh, Jamal Musiala into that mix, because Musiala is going to start to demand a little playing time. And frankly... He was the best of those four wingers over the past month and a half of the season, so let's just say, for right now, Kingsley Coman is a sell. Uh, the next player we would bring up is Sven Ulreich, and we just talked about him and how he re- how he fits into the Bayern Munich goalkeeping situation. And listen, for me, Ulreich is a buy. One, he's free, and even though Stefan Ortega is only. Uh, reportedly available for $5 million, I can save that $5 million with Ulrich. And there's a couple of good things about Ulrich. One, he's got a good working relationship with Manuel Neuer already. The two are reportedly very comfortable with each other, had a great rapport, and there's not going to be any of that tension that there might have been with Neuer and Neubel this season. Uh, the second part of what makes Ulrich so valuable is that he understands and accepts his role at Bayern Munich. Obviously he went out when they signed Nuble, All right, left because he had no role on the team at that point. Went out, he had his one year of fun, and now he's reportedly, possibly, maybe coming back. And I would be a big fan of that. I would buy him, I would let Ortega sit. Ortega might be the best the better player. I, I don't know, but does it really matter if they're both sitting behind Manuel Neuer? When it comes down to it, I want to save that little extra bit of cash and maybe apply that elsewhere where I might be able to need it, say, at right back or wing or potentially in the central midfield. So let's use Sven Ulreich as a buy. The next player I want to bring up is is Werder Bremen forward who has been linked to Bayern Munich over the course of the past couple of weeks, and that's Milos Rashica, who I am a big fan of. One, speedy, creative... Uh, and can be productive in the right environment, but was not very productive this season. I think Rashidza is a very good player. He could be a potential steal for Bayern Munich. What's the holdup? Well, he's got. A, from what we've heard, he's got about a release cause that goes between, between 10 and $15 million. We haven't seen an exact figure yet. There's been a couple that have been bandied about. But what we've seen in reports is that because Werder Bremen has been relegated, Rashidza could be available for 10 million or less and if that happens i think if you're Bayern munich you have to at least explore the possibility of seeing what the real number would be uh, Rashid is still young enough he's 24 and he still has all the requisite physical skills that i think Bayern munich likes out of its wings he is fast he is creative he's got good footwork and he's got a, a real nose for the net so if i were Bayern munich I would want to see a number from Werder Bremen and see what I could get. If I could get him for $7.5 million or less, I'd say that is a buy. Now, if it's $10 million or more, I'm probably a little hesitant because if I'm Bayern Munich, I'm looking at my budget and I'm not seeing a lot to work with. And that's mostly because I have to use a lot of that budget to pay for all the upcoming contract extensions for players like Coman, or Yashua Kimmich, or Leon Goretzka, or Serge Gnabry, or Robert Lewandowski, or Thomas Muller. So there are, or Nicholas Sula, there are so many players that are going to be up for a contract extension. I would need a firm figure from Werder Bremen to know what I would do. So right now I'll hedge on this and I'll give you that monetary number as my guiding line. If I could get Rashidza for $7.5 million or less, I signed that deal today and he's my fourth winger and probably someone I could use at an advanced position like Stryker or even filling in for Thomas Muller as well. I think he's got that kind of skill set. And finally, the last person I'm going to buy or sell this week, and this is a tough one for me, it's Chris Richards. Uh, If you've read or listened to me enough, you know that I'm a huge fan of Chris Richards' game. I think he is a next-generation center back that could fill the void for so many clubs. He's got size. He's got ability. He's got speed. He's got great passing uh, ability and capabilities. He's got great vision. This is a kid who I really believe in, and I think he got a chance to show himself in first-team football with Hoffenheim over the second half of the season and i think he did excellent and i think you know the more he gets a chance to play for the u.s men's national team richards will also prove that he along with john brooks are probably the two best center backs that america has offer right now unfortunately for richards he picked up an injury toward the end of his uh season and which prevented him really from being eligible for the u.s men's national team of late so Uh, For Richards, uh, what I want to see for him is opportunity. This is a kid whose whole life has been determined by opportunity. Every time he's gotten it, he has seized the moment and excelled. But it's always hard for this kid to get the opportunity, whether it's because he grew up in Birmingham or at the time, there were no really advanced soccer outlets for him to really bring his game up. This is a kid who, like many young hockey players, had to leave home to get in an environment where someone would, you know, a club would take him in, provide him some housing with a host family, and really be able to work with him. And that's his story. I mean, this is, he had to leave home to chase his dream, and he's been doing it ever since. He chased that dream uh, to Texas to play with the Texan Soccer Club. He chased it to FC Dallas after that and then to Munich with Bayern Munich. I mean, this is a kid who has, one, always been denied the opportunity first. Even FC Dallas did not take him the first time he tried out there. Um, But what he has shown is he's incredibly resilient. And when given the opportunity, he excels and, and honestly takes advantage of the opportunity to show just how good he is. I do think he could eventually be a starting center back at Bayern Munich. What is the problem with that? Bayern Munich is up to their ears in center backs at this point. Even with Jerome Boatang and David Alaba leaving, uh, they just invested in Dio Upamakano. They have Luca Hernandez. They have Tangai Nyanzu, and they have Nicolas Sula who again, I think is one of the great center backs in the game today. Uh, These are all four terrific options. Neonzo is a little bit of a project at this point, but by all accounts, he is widely regarded as a great prospect. So what do we do with Richards here? I mean, obviously, for selfish reasons, I want to buy and keep him with Bayern Munich. Uh, For right now, though, again, I'm going to hedge and I'm going to send him out on loan again with Hoffenheim. I'm going to have him working with Sebastian Honus, who I know is going to do a good job developing him, who I know is going to give him the opportunity to play. And this is where we're really going to be able to see what Richards can do. If he has the ability to get another season in the Bundesliga, prove himself, then I think Bayern Munich is really going to have a tough choice after that. But for right now, what's hedge? And let's loan him out another year. Give him another opportunity to prove himself, which I know he'll do. If you've watched this kid, if you've followed his story, he has always risen to the occasion. And I think that's one thing you cannot underestimate about him. He is a kid that is going to eventually, no matter where he ends up, be an excellent player. And I'll be honest, I'm about to sell the rest of this episode because that's it. That's all I got. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I wanted to try something a little different and Walk through the big stories of the week and add a little twist to it at the end there. So uh, let me know who you would buy or sell out of those players we talked about. And, you know, thanks again for listening. Keep keep checking the website, BavarianFootballWorks.com, and keep listening to our podcast. We appreciate it. Drop us some comments and let us know what you think. Uh, As always, we appreciate your support, and we will see you next time.